All right. So I want to talk about being created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So we'll start with Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Isn't that amazing? So, not only were you created, but you were created to do certain things on the earth. You were created to have a certain spiritual heritage and gifting. There were acts and things you're supposed to do, whether it's going to Botswana or leading your neighbor to Christ or being a godly father or all kinds of activity, all kinds of things. So we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, and it's prepared. So it's amazing how that sort of works as we begin to examine the Scriptures. God gives us a wonderful invitation to share in the Master's happiness as we extravagantly invest in the world around us. So I want to read from Matthew chapter 25, 14 to 16. Again, it, it will be like a man called on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability that he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So in the kingdom, money and other stewardship that we have, uh, families, households, and everything, is always to be on the increase, not the decrease. If it's not on the increase, it's decreasing, right? There's actually some kind of law, if I remember my physics, called entropy, where things tend toward disorder. But in the kingdom, it's just the opposite. The kingdom multiplies and adds, redoes, restores. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So it's, it, God gets happy when you increase, both privately, your own money, your own resources, but also when you increase in gifting and strength. Uh, even if we could take the talents and they were money, right? But, uh, and that's the translation in some, some versions. And we could see the, the, the bags as bags of money. But also we can see that uh, there are all kinds of other things that we are good and faithful with that should be increasing in our life. So this is a broad thing. We're always supposed to be increasing and doing better, right? Not worse. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've done, been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, that's another important thing. We're always not only supposed to be faithful, but we're supposed to be increasing. Increasing. So I've gotten to the place where if I'm not increasing, something's wrong. I'm always looking for increase. I don't even like to be still. And just level. I like to always be increasing in the things that are important in my health, in my children's uh, understanding of Jesus, in uh, uh, my house payments. Not to want them to increase. I want my equity to increase. Yeah, I didn't, uh, so 
make sure that's very clear. Anyway, especially these days, right? Okay, so I, I believe God is an increasing blessing God, right? And so he loves it when we're faithful a few things, but the reward is many things. Faithful a little bit, you get more. And this is one thing that people have a really hard time with in the kingdom. They see all these amazing promises, but they don't want to take a step at a time toward them. But promises are all different. Things you're praying for are all different. Some promises go zip, boom. They increase really rapidly. Other problems, I mean, other issues, uh, other situations we have grow a step at a time. But always on the increase is we're faithful with God. God is a God of increase. It feels good to even just say that, doesn't it? That God's a God of increase, doesn't it? It won't make you parrot it. I'm just tempted to do that, but I won't do it. All right, moving on. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man. You're a hard God. It's got to be faithful. Harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seeds. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Now, it's God's pleasure to increase you. i got to say that. It's not just a dark principle, you know, or a kind of a staid principle. It's God wants to bless you. But he also wants you to expect increase also and be responsible for it, especially if good things, important things in your life. So he's given this money investment. He's given this goal. He's given this thing. But he doesn't invest it. Instead, he goes out and puts it in the ground and hides it. I'll just say this about lots of things, including spiritual gifts. So many of you are familiar with spiritual gifts that God brings gifts. I don't know how many there are anymore. I can't remember, 30, 40, something like that in the Bible. But there's all kinds of different kinds of spiritual gifts, and some of you know that you have some of those. Could I just suggest to you, if they're not increasing, they're probably decreasing. You were given that gift because you're supposed to use it, right? Okay, and so that means some, sometimes gifts are at an ebb. They're not functioning at quite the same high tide, but that doesn't mean they disappear and leave, Right? <laughs> Part of it is our diligence. Things go, but part of it is our diligence to be responsible for what we've been given. So in this case, this guy hides the gold in the ground. Because, isn't that weird? God, it doesn't sound like such a bad thing to me. But God's always, always on the increase. You've got to understand that. That's really, really important about God. He wants you to increase in righteousness. He wants you to increase financially. He wants to increase in your... In, in, and uh, gifting, he wants to increase in your relationships. God is a God of increase. And we're a part of that increase. Not all of it, but we play a part. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Now, I thought he was kind of hard on him myself. I mean, the wicked thing in there, you know. <laughs> you know, at least he didn't lose it. Wow. Hmm. Boy, that's right there. At least I didn't lose it. I'm not fruitful, I'm not doing much, but at least I didn't lose it. You wicked, lazy servant. Ooh, that hurts. Especially when you're very aware of callings, anointings, things that you possess, things that you can do, things that are on you, right? Not only in that area, but other things. Things that you could do to, do to make your family better, your household better, whatever. It's going to take some effort. Things that you need to be as a man, as a father, right? But you're being lazy about it. You've slowed down, but while you're doing that, everybody else is suffering, right? 
His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. What? That's a little strange, isn't it? I mean, it is. I mean, you read that story. If you've never read that, I mean, you think, okay, take the bag away. Well, I'll give the, well, let's see. Maybe give it to the guy that doesn't have as many as the, but the guy with the most, don't give him any more. Wow. That'll whack your head. Why is he giving it to the guy with the most? Because that guy was the most faithful. So I'm going to put this in a secure place. Whoever has will be given more. Ooh. Wow. And they will have an abundance. Evidently, abundance is God's goal. And evidently, you have to believe that so much that you won't let things just slip out of your hands, right? As far as it's dependent on you, you'll be diligent. Matter of fact, the scripture says the hands of the diligent will rule. Whoever does not have, even what they have, been, have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems like a little bit hard on the old guy. you know. I mean, <laughs> But it's a point. God's trying to say something here. I want my church fruitful. I want you fruitful. I want your marriages doing well. I want your children doing well. I want increase. I want you to be better than you were a year ago. Better off than you were a year ago, by the way doing better in every category, right? So that's not a word to encourage you. It's to encourage, to challenge you. And so far as it's dependent on me, that's going to happen, right? Now, there may be things that don't let that happen. But I will not quit until that becomes my part. I will be, in, I'll be a, experiencing increase, right? I've been so happy with the way we responded to COVID and the way we've uh, responded in our faithfulness. We have not decreased during COVID. We've just increased. We just keep getting stronger and stronger. That's why some of you had trouble getting in. And there's going to be a few more things like that this summer because we're, re we're building again. We're going to be in building mode very shortly. In the warehouse and other places, you're going to be seeing building projects going because we're not done. We, we did this room, and we've, but we're going everywhere. We're, we have all kinds of things, making more space for the school. Increase, increase, increase. So when I have a potential to increase something that's good, even if it causes me a headache, which the school is going to cause here soon, but it's worth the headache for the increase. It's worth my discomfort because I know God likes it. As a matter of fact, everything that we're trying to increase in, we're only doing it because we think God likes it. Amy, I'm glad that you like the school. I really appreciate that. And Matt, good. But I would never do that for you too, even though I really like you. I would only do it because I feel like God wants it to go increase, right? All the way through to 12th grade. Wow. Didn't see that one coming a year ago. But anyway, we're going there, right? We have to go there. Okay. So I won't go into that, why we have to, but it's really important, right? And the increase is also important. I want to increase in every way. The quality of what we do, everything we do. Just keep moving forward. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as sheep. A shepherd separates the, separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. Isn't that strange? All right, I'm just think about this for a moment. 
All right, let's just don't even pretend. Let's pretend like verse 35 is not there. Then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father. I mean, this is going to be a thunderous ovation. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And why are you going to get that inheritance? Because I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me and see the glory. Then the next statement. So that means that the statements below it are also glorious. It is glorious for us to provide housing for people. It is glorious to help strangers. It is glorious for us to provide clothes. It's glorious for us to heal the sick or be given to the doctor or pray for them and then we get well. And you looked after me and I was in prison and you came to visit me. All of this is glorious. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Next line. I was hungry. That's what Jesus thinks. That's what Jesus thinks. So we don't do all this homeless ministry because it's in style or because of the need. We did it out of conviction long, long ago before things are as bad as they are today. It's just part of walking with God. It's part of stewarding what God wants, right? What God has. And, um, so then the righteous will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The Lord, king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This is something that I try to remember, uh, because um, there's nothing romantic about people that are homeless, sick, needing clothes. Matter of fact, sometimes the pressure is so great they lose their mind a little bit. And you try to help them and they bite you. And we have an environment like that all the way, all the time, you know. Sometimes I think, man, it's just been so much easier. Let's just be a regular church. But ah, there's too many promises, too much grace, and too much scripture to let us go anywhere but to these places, right? So these people that are sick, these people that need clothes, these strangers who by the way, do not act in a romantic way when you try to help them. Many times they bite you, take advantage of you, steal from you, try to ruin you. Doesn't sound very nice to me. <laughs> That's the way it is. But Jesus said, hey, when did we see you? Well, that was me doing that. That was me I, when I was hungry. That was me when I was really so disappointed, so discouraged, or so pain in my body, or so confused in my head because of mental illness, or that was me. Wow, that puts things in a whole different context. We were created in Jesus to do good works, but where the good works are found sometimes are in the weakest places, in strange places, aren't they? And I'll just finish this little part of the scripture. Then we will say to those on then he will say on his left, depart from me, you who are let's say, wait a minute, let's go to verse forty. The king will reply, Truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. He'll say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison or did not help you? He will help you. Truly I tell you, He'll reply, sorry. Truly I tell you, whatever you do not do for one of the least of these, you do not do for me, you did not do for me. Then they'll go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now here's an interesting thing. People that are also in these difficult places, 
they get in a place sometimes where they're just receivers. But actually, when they come to know the Lord, they're actually equipped to do the same thing. So once you come to the Lord, even if you're in one of these these difficult places, you're sick, you're you're a stranger, you need clothes. You see, even from there, you can be responsible for someone. And matter of fact, you should. Because the Scripture says, give and it should be given to you. So one of the ways out is not to be a victim. One of the ways out is for you to start to be a giver, to stand up and look for someone else that you can give to. You may feel like you're on the bottom of the barrel. There's always someone that's right next to you, especially in this environment, someone that's in a worse place. So actually, a lot of people who get in a difficult place just squander an opportunity. They have an opportunity to give some what I call high-yield seed out of their need. They're in a difficult place. But from that place, when they sow seed toward their miracle, toward getting out, they're, they're actually investing in the kingdom. They're actually aligning them with the way heaven works, care for other people who need Jesus, care for others, right? So even in our darkest places, even you might even be, and I know I've seen this in our healingers where we pray for the sick, you know, carrying around a disease or a condition in our own body. And sometimes I watch people praying for people with finances. Another thing is quite humorous because they may be praying for someone that's barely having a problem, and this person is praying for finances for another person who's about to go bankrupt, and I know it. And all I do when I see this, I just smile. And I can see people praying for people who are in the middle of a divorce, knowing that a person had just come out of a horrible divorce. The, the Father smiles. This is the way the kingdom works. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good, to do good works as part of the rules of the game. Evidently, heaven likes our investment around and those around us. Whoever gives away God's kingdom gets more. And will have an abundance. Whoever does not continue to invest in others, even the little they possess is taken away. God expects increase. We never give up because God is always faithful to help us move the kingdom forward. The heart of all this giving is the heart of God's extravagant gift, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave. Even when he was maligned and rejected, his People rejected him over and over again, no matter how much good he seemed to give Israel and the church and all of us that are called God's God's name as his people. We got Christ in our name. We always find a way to mess up, right? And even people that didn't deserve any of this, God has this way of redeeming, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus. And 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. But you get to give indescribable gifts too, and they have effect. They have effect. They cause change in your own life. God loves to give through us to meet the needs of the world. In Matthew 25, 31 to 46, we see some of God's favorite gifts. So let's just read uh, Matthew 25, uh, 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. 
Boy, there's a lot of distance between that glory and where he goes. To a, somebody that was hungry, someone's in, there's no glory there. All it is is pain and small thing in the corner that nobody else saw. goes from, come, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you clothed me after me. You, clothed, you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When, you did, when do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. What a remarkable passage. Then it goes on. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So, For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothing. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not for me. They'll go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So we see these verses, food, water, shelter, and hospitality, clothing, healing, visiting prison. Whatever we do for the least, lowliest person, we do for Jesus. I'm getting better at this. Um, one of the problems that we have today is a mental health crisis. We have a drug crisis as well, and we have in the this area a just flat-out room crisis. <laughs> too many people in too small a space. We have an inflation crisis, and all these things are working together to cause quite a bit of problems for anybody that finds themselves in one of these weak spaces. The other thing that we have, which maybe is not as well known nor understood, and I still don't understand it, but having one of these in my family, it's produced uh, a lot of compassion. I see people completely different now. I understand now that there are people out there that actually um, aren't out there because of drugs or alcohol, but because they're mentally ill, because something that's not fully understood uh, went wrong. And believe me, I don't care what you say right now, in the medical community, mental illness is not understood. Mental illness is barely able to be controlled and only in a handful, maybe 30%, 40% in a reasonable way. There's the other 50% that are struggling, struggling, struggling. And on top of that, parents and authority figures heaping all kinds of guilt and shame and everything on them because they don't know what to do. And I don't blame them. But one thing, if you have to go through this up close, you can know, is that there are people who literally, when they do the things that they do, can not help it, can have very little self-control over the issues they're facing. And sometimes they're good days and sometimes they're bad days. So that makes it even more complicated. Sometimes they're uneven, right? Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they stay in a low, or in a very difficult a mental place for months at a time, just enough to get them kicked out of an apartment and out on the street somewhere, which then it gets worse. And so we have an epidemic of mental health issues. We have an epidemic of drug issues. And all this put together makes for a, a dicey, dicey 
situation. And here we are as a church, and we are supposed to be right there, right? And and the church uh, is not very well equipped for this. Matter of fact, it's so overwhelming that I think most churches would just rather maybe throw some money at some kind of program or somewhere, you know, point people, hey, over there, <laughs> you know, and, and, and be done with it. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. It's just that when God put a situation in my own household like this, it gave me different eyes. And so maybe some of the things that you're going through, it might not be that. It might be some of the other thing. Maybe you've been homeless. Maybe there's been a jobless situation you had. Maybe you had a very difficult time in your family or whatever, but don't waste your sorrows because some of the things that you're going through as a believer are so that you will have the compassion you need to go on a faith journey. So right now, our whole church is on a faith journey in these things. As you know, we have the Mercy Warehouse. You might not know that we feed hundreds of people every week, both uh, with life, life, I say live food, it's not the food we give is dead, but live, with food that's cooked right there and also a large amount of groceries, maybe $125, $150 worth of groceries. They can come Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We see hundreds of people saved, hundreds of people literally healed of physical ailments. So we've been doing that for a while. Stepping into that was a big chore. It was a big thing. But when you realize that our relatives, our friends, people that we know are in this horrible place, then when you see other people in the same place, there's this different thing that happens on the inside of you. This in me now. I don't know what to do anymore uh, in terms of wisdom sometimes. I'm at a loss 50%, 75% of the time. We get some of the craziest things you can imagine here. But there's something about this being close to you, something about God that has this compassion. It's those that he's after. The weak and the broken are the ones that he's after, and that's incredibly scriptural. It's just that you could say it with your mouth, but until you, and when you start dealing with the weak and start trying to minister to them, it loses every romantic notion you ever had about weakness and being strong, you know. And so I think it's great when people actually financially help us for that. And if that's your addition, great, because actually what we've done at the church here is we've developed an entire team over time because we said yes to this, then the Lord began to give us wisdom, and he's showing us now how to do this from a Christian perspective and also from a wisdom perspective. So we're getting smarter and smarter, except maybe on a Tuesday when everything goes wrong and then we don't, we're back to square one. But we are. We're making slow but sure progress on how to receive people, help them get off drugs, help them get some mental health, whatever, help them find a place to live, help to access programming and other people, other other things out there that could help, learning to interface with the government, learning to interface with amazing resource out there, find it and pay for it, all of it. And here's the thing, and this is true, I think, of almost any problem you're in. One thing you have to do is, first of all, believe that the God loves you so much that he's not going to let you get him too far over your head, whether it's your problem or you're trying to get involved in some sort of ministry or thing that you've never been involved with. It's incredibly intimidating. Or maybe you're the one that's being intimidating. You're in a space where you've never been. But listen, God always has a solution. God is a wisdom giver. And with the problem, according to the Scripture, he always helps you find a way out. So if I know that, first of all, I have to have enough compassion beating in me to look at a person with different eyes and not immediately reject them. 
And sometimes people make it very, very hard not to reject them. And sometimes they make it so hard, you have to reject them. So we had to tackle a guy in the warehouse the other day, and I'm sure glad we tackled him. Wasn't me, it was a policeman. That was great. Got him good. <laughs> I was very happy about that. But actually, that same man, we, we tried to help. And have been trying to help for months now. And we've been making progress. He just had a very bad day. And so that made us have a very bad day. But you know what? I see progress. I think that guy won't be in that same place. And boy, will he have a story to tell. He put us through the ringer, <laughs> right? We have to rethink things now, security and people around and all that stuff, which we'll do. But nevertheless, all things work together for good, for them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And that's not only in just comfortable places even in the most negative places. So look, church, all of you, this is what I think we should do. First, love people with the love you've been shown. Sometimes you have gone through those things that you've gone through, so you will be that kind of person. So you'll be an answer in a great season of no answers. And if all you have to give is your compassion, it's a start. But it's not just compassion, I've found. So I've been given some compassion largely out of our own personal circumstances, also from the Scripture. You can't miss it. It's on every page. From the Scriptures I'm going to share later, they're even more incredible, right? Okay, but still, think of this as being on a journey. So when you're going to take care of someone or be in a difficult situation, or maybe as our whole church, we're on a learning journey. So just let God teach you how to deal with it, what your responsibility is, what you're supposed to do when one of those situations comes, what your role is. Let him challenge you. So right now we're on this learning curve, and we found out that we actually can learn how to do this, but we have to be willing to step into it and serve and to be very vulnerable and very weak. But once you get past that, God just doesn't leave you there. He'll test you there. But what he wants you to do is learn how to be wise, learn how to think through this, look for resources, look, just learn. And the more you press into difficult situations in your own family, household, whatever, God has a promise. He promises to give us wisdom. And I wish it would all come in one big shot, and that would be it. But I'm on a learning curve with my family. I'm on a learning curve with this bigger family. And I think we're making some progress on both fronts. So what I would like to say is we don't have any more problems. We're fine. But I can't say that. But I can say we're probably 60%, 70% further along than we were a couple of years ago as a congregation and as our family, an individual, right? So we're farther along. We hate that. But I'm learning to embrace it. God takes you on these journeys, and by the time you're done with them, not only did he change that other person or the situation, he thoroughly changed you. Because you aren't exactly what you should be. <gasps> Horrifying. In light of how horrible this is, I look like Mother Teresa, right? <laughs> That's the problem, right? But we haven't really seen in God's mirror what we're really like. Our emotions, our selfishness, our foolishness, our own sin, right? Condemning these crazy people, these drug people, these homeless people, on the one hand, all the while letting all kinds of things that aren't God, that aren't pleasing to God, run rampant in our life and being, in a sense, hypocrites. 
But this learner thing is a really powerful thing. So what I've done is doing good works for Jesus. I decided, okay, I want to do these works, and there's a long list there. Feeding hungry, inviting people, needing clothes, sick, prison, da 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 I can't do all of it. We can't do all of it, but we can learn and step by step, take a little bit more, take a little bit more territory and a little bit more territory. And so we also have this school, which we didn't know how to do, right? Some, we have some great people over it and everything, but we're still learning how that is going to look. We're going into high school. I never dreamed we would try to go to high school. I didn't even want another school again. But the Lord made it obvious that we were supposed to do it. So, okay, I had learned some things from the previous school we did, but now we're stepping in and now we're learning all over again. Turns out that if you listen here and you don't complain, God will teach you how to do what you need to do. If you ask for wisdom, he'll give it. It's just the problem with wisdom is it doesn't come on your timetable. It takes a little bit slower, you know. You with businesses, you that do business, you know. One thing is problem is I'll, I'll watch you. We have our business prayer meeting, you know, and we'll have these prayer meetings and, 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 and we'll be there praying over stuff. But, man, when, but a lot of times people will fall away from the prayer meeting. They don't understand that sometimes with prayer you have to pray more than one time. They just give up too easy. But after you see answer after answer, especially for people to get an answer to some huge issue in their life, after six months or a year, you get like iron in you. Through the last recession is when our, that prayer meeting began, and people were just threatened with their jobs. Everything was falling apart. It was horrible. It's just like uh, the thing that's threatening us now with the inflation. It was just crazy. 07, 08, 09, there were businesses in there, and they were just praying for their life that their businesses that existed for 15, uh, 10, 15 years would just survive, would just make it. And they made it. And they made it by constantly praying over the issues and step-by-step step climbing out of that hole. And now it, it's, it's turned. And now they're, they're flourishing, right? But now we have another issue, inflation again. So we learned from the past what we went through, prayed through that every step, that we'll have the solution for the future, right? And so that was a great learning curve for a whole group of people. So there's this other additional thing. When you have a whole group of people that learn to get through a hard thing, then you are very powerful, because then you can learn how to pray for other people who are not so good or are just going crazy. You know, they're out of their mind, you know, about this. So, you know what? We just went through the COVID crisis. I learned a lot about the COVID crisis. I learned a lot about church. I learned a lot about God. And I learned a lot about the government. And I learned, <laughs> I learned a lot of stuff. So if we have another one, you know what? I'm ready. I'm not ready. I mean, there may be some curves and things and, uh, you know, some who may... Doesn't matter what official they put in place, it doesn't matter, our response will be steady. And I think we're much more steady and ready, no matter what's thrown at us, to at least say, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Teach me. I'm a learner. What do you want me to do today? <laughs> and what do you want me to do tomorrow and the next day? Because actually what we're doing, just like the children of Israel, when you're in the wilderness, you follow the cloud, right? Cloud by day and fire by night. Oh, that's a great story. That's a story you will live out, especially in these last days. The church, I suspect, will be walking that cloud thing and that fire thing out more than we could imagine. We're going to be following the cloud. And we're going to be following the fire. It's the only way we're going to actually get to the other side individually and corporately.
All right. So let's look here at point D here. John Bolts, in his book, Keys to Heaven's Economy, says an angel named the Minister of Finance told him that Isaiah 58, 6 to 12, provides the greatest key to spiritual acceleration and growing of favor with God and humanity. I'm about to give you in six verses, seven verses, the greatest key to spiritual acceleration and growing in favor with God and humanity. Wow, that's a pretty big deal. Anybody want to hear about that? Okay, let's look at it. Uh, by the way, God's the guy that's in charge of everything. It's his word, his program. This is what he says. Mike didn't say it. Mike doesn't understand all of it. But Mike believes in it. And actually, Mike, that meaning me and all the other Mikes here and everybody else, has also discovered these things to be true and absolutely flawless. So this is an attitude that we need to carry. It's an attitude. It's especially tailored for these last days. Especially tailored for these last days. This is a scripture that our church will live by. This is a church that I encourage you to live by because I think in the foreseeable future, this is going to be incredibly important. Is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free? So your business and my business is to set the oppressed free. That's your job description. That should be a big sign over the door. This is the place where the oppressed go free. This is the place where we'll pray oppression off of you. This is the place where we'll take the poverty, mental illness. We'll help heal you. We'll take care of you. This is the place. This is a, a place that's trying to be an oppression-free zone. <laughs> trying to be. No, better. We're learning to be an oppression-free zone. We're gaining the faith, we're gaining the skill, we're gaining the wisdom so that when we pray for you, we really believe we're going to get an answer. We're learning what pleases God, what doesn't. We're learning what to bind and what to loose in the heavens. We're also learning practical wisdom and skill, how to obey authority figures over us, even when they're unreasonable in the government, how to walk that narrow line out. We're learning all sorts of things. What is acceptable in our schools and what is not acceptable? When is the day we have to pull the plug on the public schools and do something different? All of these things, even how we treat one another, even how we react to one another, there is nothing better in these crises and in the way forward than to have a community that you're somewhat connected to. And if you're even more connected to a few people, I know some friends or know people, the better, because you're going to need all of them. And this time, this is not a time to be alone. Maybe some of you have moved from out of town, which would be unusual. Most of us are moving this way, trying to get out as fast as we possibly can, right, in California. Although I've actually noticed some change. It's interesting. It's not all that one way. And, uh, and the ones that I look at and I pray for the most, the ones that have never had to deal with the weather in all those other places like I have and all the other things that come with it, right? Tornadoes, mosquitoes, swamps, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Where do I get up on that? Back. This is not the kind of fast I've chosen. To loose the chains of injustice and tie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free. That's our job description. That's what we do. 
I don't see how a church in the world can ignore the homeless issue and not have a part in it. Matter of fact, I think God's going to give us an anointing to actually be a part of, not only be a part of it, which we've already up to our eyeballs, but also to help other churches and other organizations do it. I think that would be very, very uh, powerful. So well, I believe there'll be a future we'll, we'll, have to, we'll be a resource that way. But one thing is, every step like this, like, oh, I want to set the oppressed free. There's a cost to it and a price to it and faith that is involved, right? So when it gets serious, then that's when we have to stay serious. We can't just stop, right? And look at this beautiful passage. This is, is this not the kind of fasting, God's saying this, to loosen the chains of injustice and tie the cords of the yoke, set the oppressed free. People that are on drugs, people don't have a house, people don't have a job, right? Oppression. Mentally ill. Is it not to share your food with the hungry? So this is like God's putting this on the people of God. And to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Now the thing is, we did a wise thing with these things and we're still doing a wise thing. We didn't jump into everything all at once. You know, run out, you know, and war, let's go, you know. We took a couple of steps and we took a couple of trial balloons. My first trial balloon with, with the homeless person was uh, a lady who had been uh, 15 years in her car. And uh, God told me, uh, she's come, he's come to church, God said, start with her. And I didn't exactly know what he meant, but then I got the impression as I went on, I thought, oh, okay, I help her, and you're going to teach me about all the other ones. So, and through a series of the most bizarre miracles, <laughs> and cost, high cost, we got her off the street, and she's been off the street for five or six years. But, but it was, it took a full two years to figure out, well, wow, man, that's expensive. Whoa, oof, mm, do I still want to do that? Mm, oh, <laughs> oh. And then she stopped going to our church. Oh, 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 oh. Right? So, but I knew that was my down payment. That was the start. Now I'm going to learn. Okay. So I'm in. This is something really important for dealing with these sort of issues we're about to deal with. If you're really going to tackle something, okay, it's like a big, it's like for you guys that play sports. Let's say you're going to, let's say you're going to, you know, play a great football team and you're a mediocre football team. Everybody knows on that team, this is all out. <laughs> You've got to do, you can't let up for a second. You've got, it's got to be a complete effort. Everybody's got to do their job. They've got to do it better than they've ever done. Well, this is the way this is, right? To provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them. It's an all-in thing. You just have to go all-in. So the warehouse has allowed us to go all-in as well. We make money with the warehouse, and we use that for these things. But we didn't start there, and the warehouse wasn't making money when we started. God said, oh, I see you're taking a step of faith. Then he let me stay there for an entire year exposed, watching the money go out the window. The lady's not even in the church anymore. And I knew, and then I thought, well, maybe she moved. Then I found out through this little bird came by just when I was about to go with the money. Hey, she's at my church. She's doing great. Good job, man. And I go, oh, no. All right. My little birdie. God, you told me. Okay, fine. When you see, but it's a, um, so you can't outgive God. So it was a seed. 
that bears a result, right? A seed away from myself. By the way, just for your own self. One of the best ways to get out of your problems is sow something towards someone else. Maybe with the same exact need or that you see in trouble, they put on your doorstep. Could I just say something even dangerous, even crazy? Sometimes God allows a person to be in your face, on your doorstep for a reason. You think, oh my gosh, this is mine. I, okay, I got a pastor talked about helping the home. Okay, okay. But actually, it may go deeper than that. Because around the corner may be another problem you're about to face. And this problem that you're going to sow into is excellent seed for God to come and put that back on your own head and solve your own problem. Right? So he brought this person for you to be generous to so that he could turn around and be generous back. Oh, Luke 6.38, give and it shall be given to you. Well, could you just do it the other way? Just to take care of it. God, I didn't know I'd have to go through a whole process. Yes, by, by, by the time you're done with that thing, you're going to be a lot better person. I'm going to be very happy with you. You're going to be generous, and I think you're going to like yourself better too. So this is the way we're going to do it. Could any of you have some things in your face because of that? I know I do. That's why I have that issue. Because every time I see that situation, every time I deal with it every day of my life, I'm going, ah, okay, I'm a lot nicer to anybody else that I see, and I have compassion for all the other people that are in the same boat, right? It's my situation. God works like that. He's very sneaky about these things. He's very, very serious about these things. Isn't this the kind of path I chose? I, God, not me, I, God. It's not to sh- is it not to share your food with hun- the hungry? Didn't I choose for you to do that? And to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Sometimes people are so honored you can't even approach them. Can't do it. So you don't feel guilty about that either, but then when they turn back, back you go. <laughs> because they're very unpredictable because there's drug problems, mental illness problems. They're not in their right mind, and they will test you over and over again, but they are worth it because God wants to heal everybody, and they'll get on the other side. And guess what? Some of the greatest dread champions of the faith that we're going to see are people that struggle with mental illness or struggle with drugs or alcohol or struggle with broken heart, depression, or heavy suicidal tendencies. They're going to be our great champions. They are going to be great deliverers. They are going to be soldiers in this army that are going to be amazing. And they're in the making now. We just give them a chance and work with them. Okay, so not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Oof. Boy. I'll say that one again. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked, to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? How difficult that one is. What do I do with my own flesh and blood? What do I do? Where's the limits? What can my household handle? What do I do? Right? So everybody has a different answer for that. And I know some of you are struggling with that answer. But look, sow a seed. Maybe not even for this particular face in your issue. Just maybe somewhere else. But just start sowing something outside of it. And then say, God, I'm willing to be a learner. Please help me because I'm having a hard time here. Just help me to learn. Okay, please. So... In other words, we take an attitude of learner, and the second thing is we don't stop sowing. We keep sowing, right? We just keep on, right? And then you'll find what happens on the inside with the suffering is your eyes change, 
And so I have eyes that have been changed remarkably, at least when I see people in difficult situations. That doesn't mean I can do something or even want to do something all the time, but that part right there is really helpful because every time I see some of those situations, I go, is that mine? That's somebody else's. Sometimes it's mine, right? And it's like a worm on a hook. You just can't get off of it. <laughs> it's yours. But sometimes, no, it's not mine. It's somebody else's, and something else will show up, right? But look what happens after all this activity, okay? Share your hunger, pour the food with the hungry, provide the poor wanderer with shelter. Here's the good news. See the naked, clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. That's what you get out of this behavior. That's pretty good. We just got to see the other side. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer you. You will cry for help, and he'll say, well, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spin yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise. Your light will rise in the darkness. Your night will become like the noonday. Something good happens to you. Something amazing happens. You sow the seed and God brings a harvest. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. I tell you that's the truth. I know it without a shadow of a doubt. Our church, uh, with regard to all these things we've been trying to do all the way through the pandemic, this is our inheritance. The Lord is always going to guide us. I don't care what the next county official says. I don't care what the mayor says. The Lord will always be our guide. He'll tell me what to do. He'll satisfy my needs even when the land is sun-scorched. He'll strengthen my frame. I'm going to be like a well-watered garden. We will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. We will rebuild the ancient ruins. There's some ancient ruins out there. Racism. It's an ancient ruin. It just keeps popping up. If it's not the actual racism, it's the idea of racism, which has been totally distorted and confused and caused all kinds of crazy stuff, not to mention all the other isms that are out there, right? So somebody needs to rebuild the ancient ruins. That's why we have a school. We have to rebuild. We have to raise up children that know the difference. They know their right hand from their left. Know, not, know enough not to get entangled and put into false philosophies, false systems, and also ruined polluted. But we still are responsible for rebuilding the ancient ruins. We'll raise up the age-old foundations. We will be called repairer of broken walls. What a romantic thing to say. What a difficult thing to walk out. But we're going to get good at this, and we're going to get better. We're better at these things than we were a year ago, and we're vastly different than we were three years ago. And we're going to get better at school and all the other challenges and other things we have to do to help people. We're already better at employees and hiring. We're better at the warehouse. Do you know we have somewhere in the neighborhood of 135, 140 employees? Is that right, Bob? Something like that? Can you believe that? Two years ago, I, I never dreamed in a million years. What? What happened? Well, the warehouse went nuts. <laughs> the school went nuts. We've got all these people around here. Wow. What a beautiful section of Scripture this. I just love this, this pass, these passages so much. They have, give us so much hope. So, going back to point D. John Bolts in his book, Keys to Heaven's Economy, says an angel named the Minister of Finance 
told him that Isaiah 58, 6-12 provides the greatest key to spiritual acceleration and growing in favor with God and humanity. So I just read Isaiah 58, 6-12. Highly recommend that book, by the way, Keys to Heaven's Economy. It'll blow you away. One of the most unusual books I've ever read in my life. It was, I, I had a divine appointment with that book. You must read this, especially if you, have, you that have a business or be that, uh, that are in the business world uh, more than a little bit, read this book. Whatever you do, read this book. It helps you understand not only what God's, uh, what, how God relates to your finances, but also it tells you what God's up to in planet Earth, what his priorities are and what he's doing, right? And so in this book, Sean, Sean's a prophet. Actually, we had Sean here, and he's spoken before. And a matter of fact, it's so funny. One of our business guys, he didn't know, but he could barely see this guy in a Benny Hinn meeting. He was like kind of in the shadows. And he prophesied what was about to happen in his life, right? So that was in a studio, television studio. Then he came here, and there was a guy in the corner. My friend came to the meeting. He was way back in the corner. And he prophesied, again, the very same exact words. He said, someone in that section over there, da -da -da -da. he didn't know the guy was in the room. I even asked him, did you know who that was? He said, no idea. I just thought that was for that section, right? And he was in the second. He gave him the same exact word twice. So Sean has this unusual little prophetic thing going on, really unusual, right? And so um, so he has this experience where he's writing this book, Keys to Heaven's Economy. So this is what an angel told him. He said, the angel also gave him some other advice for spiritual blessing. Now, look at this. An angel told him, it's actually... The angel introduced himself as the minister of finance. And the reason why he introduced himself as the minister of finance is it turns out in these last days, God is beginning to cause all kinds of creativity and financing and releasing dread champions, people that have tremendous authority in finance, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to deal with the poverty issues, and to creatively deal with everything from the government right on down. Men and women of great means and tremendous authority are rising in the marketplace and the politics of our world. It's amazing what's happening, right? So that's what this book's about. So look what he says. This angel gives him some other advice. He says, not only that same angel, Minister of Finance, told him, I know that might blow some people's mind. Are there still angels that speak to people? Yes, absolutely, 100%. All right? I know that might come as a shock, but they do. They're still, and they've become more active than ever. More sightings, more revelation, more insight than we've ever had in all the history I know because of the times we're living in. There's some sort of change happening in the world. We can all feel it. We can feel it with the very basic values of our culture. We've not been this way before, Toto. <laughs> this is different. This is way different. And I've lived a few years. I have a little gray hair. I've never seen anything quite like the things threatening our nation and the crises and the attitudes and the craziness. I've never seen anything like it, right? So for this acceleration and favor with God, I think we need a little bit of that, right? So look, I'll close on this. The angel also gave this advice. He said, this is called the minister of finance. This is the angel that's been put in charge, or at least one of them in charge, of releasing finances in the kingdom to very specific creative projects and specific goals that has God has, everything from education to art to scientific inventions, right? Matter of fact, uh, I don't know why. 
Is there anyone here that um, as a innovative invention, it might be a health thing or a scientific, something you're working on that's an innovation, it's kind of new and you're hoping that it gets off the ground and it does some good in the world. Anybody in the room that's in that space? Would you just stand up? All right. May the Lord cause this angel and all the other angels to make you smarter than everybody else, think clearer than everybody else, be innovative, and may the Lord reward you for it. May the Lord's hand be on you as an inventor. I know you're an inventor. I remember it just now. As an inventor, may God bless you and your work. May God prosper you. Is there anyone else that's in an innovative place, an invention or technologically, medical field or anything else? May God bless you, Lacey, in Jesus' name. As you innovate, as you create, you're doing something new. May the Lord bring his blessing and authority over you. May God give you keys, acceleration. May you grow in favor with God and humanity. In Jesus' name. Anybody else? All right. So let's read this last thing in your outline there. The angel also gave Sean some other advice for spiritual blessing. Who wants blessing? I mean, when I say spiritual in front of it, that doesn't mean it's up there in the clouds somewhere. If you get spiritual blessing, it results in physical welfare. Spiritual blessing means grace, grace, grace on you. All right? When you love those who are not loved, you gain a greater authority. This is what an an angel told him. When you love them in tangible ways, such as feeding them, clothing them, caring for them, visiting them, adopting them, then you can accelerate God's activity in other areas of your life. This is so true. Every area gets accelerated. We've been accelerating like crazy. The deeper we've got into this, we're accelerating. We're accelerating financially. We're getting smarter. We're finding better ways to do things. We're getting more effective. We're getting stronger and bigger all the time. The deeper we get into these activities, right? When you love them in tangible ways, such as feeding them, clothing them, caring for them, visiting them, adopting them, then you can accelerate God's activity in other areas of your life. Even as a donor to that, or as a participant, whichever way it is. It opens the heavens over you just like it provided Jesus a greater influence when he touched the poor and afflicted of the earth. I declare an open heaven over this place in Jesus' name. Lord, I declare an open heaven over us. The wisdom for every difficult problem, the solution to every difficult family situation, the, 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 the solution for every sickness and illness that won't go away, mentally or physically, I declare, Lord, I declare this open heaven over us. It opens the heavens over just like it provides Jesus a greater influence when he touched the poor and afflicted the earth. When Jesus touched the poor and the weak and made them whole by his love, some of the greatest levels of heaven's ministry ever known to humanity were brought to earth, and God's light increased throughout the world. Imitate this, he says. Never feel sorry for us that we're mired down and working hard and having difficulty with homeless ministry and people roaming around. You never feel sorry for us at all. I've got the minister of finance in my back pocket in Jesus' name. Actually, I'm in his back pocket. But nevertheless, I know this is true. We have never prospered like this. We have done nothing but prosper during this entire crisis. We just keep growing and growing and prospering. New thing here, new thing there, everything it's because the minister of finance or his relatives or friends are working overtime for us. 
And when one commits themselves to do this, and it's always challenging, and there will always be new commitments. Just when you think you've got it licked, there will be a new commitment, something you're supposed to do, something else you're supposed to do to cause justice on the earth, something you're, uh, some other reaction you're supposed to have, right? That's okay. Take that journey. It's well worth the ride. First of all, you've got your heavenly reward waiting for you. Second of all, you've got this angelic activity going. That's, that's why he made these comments, this, the angel that we're talking about, by Isaiah 58. You should memorize Isaiah 58. Wow. It's, again, I'm just going to read this. It's so cool. provides the greatest key to spiritual acceleration and growing in favor with God and humanity. What would that mean? Humanity. Oh, that boss of yours? Hmm. That city official that's keeping you from doing something? What else could you use a benefit from humanity, right? That special program you want to get? That school you want to get into? <laughs> it's a pretty good deal, isn't it? So for all the hassle of giving and sorting it out and sacrifice for the week, I'm telling you, the end result is well worth it. It's well worth it, both in this life and the life to come. Amen? Let's all stand. I think God liked that sermon. Everyone, once in a while, I preach one, and I think God likes it. I think he always likes it, but sometimes he likes some things more than others, right? So what we're going to do right now is uh, I'm going just to um, invite anybody who would like to come up here to pray. Just come on up, okay? Um, maybe there's someone here that needs a breakthrough. Two things. You just need a breakthrough. If I say, you need, I need a breakthrough, you need a bre- that's, yeah, you, oh, that's me. You know it instantly, right? And the second thing is, somebody says here, I need wisdom, and I need it today. <laughs> i got to make a choice, okay? So if you're in either one of those situations, I'd like our ministry team to come forward to pray for you. I'd like you to come as an act of your faith. Just come to the front right now. And I believe as a result of this sermon I preached, I think something's going to happen in these areas that I just mentioned, okay? As soon as I said that, if you knew that's you, just come. Could I get some of our ministry teams of people up here to pray for people? I probably should have called you up first. On the live stream as well, may you just stand up in your living room or just wave your hand. Lord, I declare this is a wisdom zone. It's also the place where important decisions are going to be made, if not now, in the near future. So I'm asking, Lord, for amazing provision. In this moment, right up here at the front, the wisdom of the Lord, the counsel of the Lord. And I'm also asking, Lord, that even after this meeting's over, you would just provide your guidance. Let our light break out. Give us the proper time and procedure for everything. As we're praying before you, trying to get wisdom and understanding and favor, just ask that you would hear every prayer uttered. I don't care if we only got five sentences out. I don't care how many times we've come here before. It's amazing, even walking down here, how much faith it takes to walk up here. 
Just do it. Even if nobody prays for you, just walk up somewhere in the front. Just, just as an act of your faith, just come out of your chair. I have no other reason for you doing it except for your own welfare. This is an act of faith. You might want to just do it for just a minute if you need to, right? The rest of you maybe need to leave. So, Lord, as we close in prayer, we just ask you, God, for your grace. Every prayer, everything that was uttered, I pray, God, for favor from the Minister of Finance. (laughs) And all that belongs to that favor. I pray you keep giving us the courage to step into areas where we feel insecure and afraid, where there's brokenness, into our own families, into the larger church family in our area into this region, into government circles, into areas where we feel very, very insecure. Lord, make us your champions. Make us your Josephs. This is the time for Joseph. This is the time for Joseph to get the wisdom. Lord, we're in difficult situations, many of us. Make us Josephs and Josephines. Make us wise about family situations, job-related issues, what the next step is for our life. And as we're here before you and we're worshiping, I pray you'd even for someone just whisper in our ear what we need to know. Or maybe you just hit us in the back of the head with it 10 minutes from now or an hour from now when we're in prayer or when we're at home. In Jesus' mighty name. There's someone in here that's trying to figure out whether to be married or not. So uh, I pray the Lord give you wisdom for that. There's someone here that's uh, just lost their doctor and they don't know what to do. They don't know what the next thing to do is. Someone here... I was wondering about selling their house and they don't know whether they should do it or not. Someone here that's worried about retirement doesn't know if they should retire or refire. So uh, whatever that is, may the Lord give you wisdom. Some of you don't know what to do with a family member in your house, in your own, whether you should get, tell them to go or whether to stay or what, where the lines are drawn, you don't know. Some of you don't even know what to do about certain health decisions. So may the Lord grant you wisdom not just here in this meeting, but also beyond when you're praying for it this week. May the Lord help you with family members. May the Lord help you to make the right choice for schools that you have to make, those that need to go to certain school and you don't know whether you're supposed to do it. May the Lord give you wisdom on business decisions. May the favor of the Lord rest on you for every part of your life. In the name of Jesus.